Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. We're going to continue in our worship like we do every Sunday by diving into God's Word. Before we do that, I just have a few announcements for you. One is we uh, just decided on a worship night coming up. We have scheduled it for uh, Friday, July 9th at 7 p.m. right here in the worship center. So plan to come on out for that. It'll be a night of uh, worship through song and prayer and scripture together. So I hope that you'll uh, come and join us for that. And then uh, I do have an update for you. Um, on our New Life Christmas offering. So if you were here at, at Christmas time, we did something we've never done before as a church. We did a sp- uh, special uh, Christmas offering to direct outward towards other ministries. And we called it New Life Christmas Offering because we were going to collect money to bless two ministries. One was uh, New Life Children's Home in Guatemala. They were in need of some uh, solar panels that would provide for uh, water, heated water for them and relieve some of the burden of their utility bills. And New Life, uh, Home, New Life Center for Mothers and Children in Glen Rock, PA, is a ministry that has been for a long time in need of a new driveway. And so we decided we were going to collect money and, and bless both of these ministries. We, we decided to set the audacious goal of $25,000, and through all of us together, God provided over $60,000. Praise God. And I know we're a little bit overdue for an update, so I just wanted to update you on uh, what's going on there for those ministries. New Life in Guatemala, you know, things move slowly in Guatemala, if you didn't know, far, far slower than they do here in the States, and so they're still in the bidding process for that job. The good news is they're, they're hoping to start soon, but the good news is that with the additional funds that we bless them with, far and above more than we expected or they expected, they're able to combine that with other donations and get solar panels, not just for heated water, but for all of their electricity needs. So it's going to be a significant increase um, and a significant greater blessing for them. New Life uh, Home, New Life Center for Mothers and Children in Glen Rock was able to go ahead and get the, the driveway. So you'll see on the screen, you'll see some of the before pictures. This is what the driveway looked like before we were able to uh, uh, bless them and they were able to move forward. And then you'll see some pictures of now what it looks like afterwards. And it's a whole different picture, isn't it? Um, so we got a... Just a note, if you're, if you're on Facebook, you may have seen this already. This was back in April that they were able to pave this new driveway, and they wrote, Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury, because of your generosity, this has been made possible. To wake up this morning to watch our prayers be fulfilled. Prayers we have been praying for many years unfold has been priceless. Because of your love, support, and generosity, we will be able to serve with excellence for many more years to come. So we just, isn't it amazing what God does for ministries across the world and what God chooses to do through us? So can we just give God a hand for his, his blessing to these ministries? And let me just pray uh, both for in celebration for that and for our time in the Word together. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are a good and generous Father. We thank you that you take care of your children. That includes us. That includes people over in Glen Rock. That, cl- that includes kids all the way down in Guatemala and across the world. 
Thank you for being a good father to all of us, and thank you for giving us good gifts. Lord, we trust you with these gifts, and we're astounded when you use these gifts to bless others. And so we just trust you again, Lord. We we give of ourselves to you, because that's worship. We give all of ourselves. We give our our, our money to your kingdom and your work, because your kingdom is far better than our own little kingdoms. And we give our attention to to you now because you have better words to say than we could ever come up with on our own. So God, as as we submit and surrender to your word this morning, we do so with a trust that you will speak to your kids again. Speak to us, Lord. Have your way in us. Make us willing hearers of your voice this morning, Lord. We thank you and praise you for all you have done. We praise you for all you have yet to do. And we look forward to it with great expectation. And all your kids together said, amen. Amen. So we are continuing in John chapter 9 this morning. Which part of John chapter 9? All of John chapter 9. So buckle in. <laughs> this is a big chunk of scripture. It's, it's, but it's all one story. And it's a really familiar story. You, you might rem- remember it, uh, if you're familiar at all with the, the Gospel of John, you might remember this story when Jesus heals the man born blind. But this is continuing a theme. What I want to point out to us is this is continuing a theme that we've seen all along in the Gospel of John already, this theme of light and darkness. And so back all the way in John chapter 1, when he talked about the word made flesh and the word coming, he said the light that gives light to all men is now coming into the world. And he meant the person of Jesus Christ. And then in John chapter 3, Jesus said, uh, Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. And and just in John chapter 8, a few weeks ago, Keith was here and taught us through the first time that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And, And Keith reminded us that Jesus is the light that makes visible our Father God to us, that makes visible the Father and the qualities in the heart of him. That's, that's who Jesus is as the light. And so now, and, and there's probably other places I've missed. Go back and look through John so far. Look ahead, and John continues this theme of light and darkness. But he, he continues it today in chapter 9 in a very practical way. That Jesus reveals not only the heart of the Father, not only the character of the Father, but the works of the Father, the works of the Father in our lives. And that's what we're going to see today. But I want, I want to start... Uh, not at the beginning where we usually start. I want to start at the end. Because as we read through this story, John is leading to this place at the end of the story, after the blind man's been healed, after people question him and wonder about him and wonder about Jesus. There's this scene right at the end of the chapter where where Jesus is standing before them all, the blind man and the disciples and the Pharisees and everybody. and And he says this, and I think this gives us a clue as to one of the reasons that John selected this story of all the stories he could have selected about Jesus selected this story to tell us and Jesus says this in in verse 39 he says this Jesus said for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind and all at once Jesus reveals to us that the story that we're going to look at today is not a story about one blind man but a story about a whole lot of blind men and women It's about all of us. We all start out blind. Here's here's the problem. For some, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and they said to him, are we also blind? 
Is that what you're saying, Jesus? You're saying our problem is that we're blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He says, listen, the problem for everybody is that we're all blind. Blind to what? We'll get to that. Blind to the person of Jesus. We'll get to that. We're all blind. He says, he says to the Pharisees, it wouldn't be so bad if you were just blind. I can take care of that. The problem is that you think you see. The problem is that you're so full of yourselves and full of your pride and full of the way you've set in your, set in your ways that you don't even know you're blind. And if you knew you were blind, I could come and give you sight. Do you know you're blind this morning? One of, the, one of the confusing things Jesus says here, potentially confusing things though, is he says, for judgment I came into the world. And we can look back in John and Jesus already said, I didn't come to the world to judge the world. So, so, so why do you say this, Jesus? And I think what Jesus is saying here is when, when light comes in, it shows what's real. It, there's no hiding in the light. And Jesus comes, his very coming is just like, you know how a judge decides for people guilty or innocent guilty or not guilty a judge separates into two groups jesus is a dividing line and he separates us all into two groups the only two groups that matter those who see and those who don't those who see those who know we are blind but are willing by the grace of god and the work of jesus christ in our lives that that we would become those who see or or those who don't and the question for us all the way through is this, which, which one are we? Which one are you and I going to be today? Are we going to be those who see or those, those who don't? That's, that's where we're going. But So let's go back to the beginning. Now that we know where we're going, let's start at the beginning and see what happens for this blind man. Ch- chapter 9, verse 1 says this, As he, that's as Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And now, now, the significant thing about this phrase is not that Jesus passed by. This was a blind man. Blind people back in that day were a lot more common than they are today. Back in that day, there wasn't as much cleanliness. There were far more diseases. So, so like for this man, a woman who was pregnant might not be able to keep his clean, might come down with diseases that affect the, the child. People, grown-up adults even, might come down with diseases that affect their eyes and become blind, so it's far more common. That's why we see Jesus healing blind people all over. And blind people couldn't work, so they had to make a living, and the only way they could make a living was to beg. So this man is probably in rags on the side of the street, maybe laying down, begging. And so it's not very interesting that Jesus passed by, because everybody passed by. People always passed by this man. Day after day after day, everybody his whole life passed him by. The significant thing is that Jesus saw. Jesus saw. <laughs> see, Jesus is the forerunner of those who see. He, he's the one who goes before us. Listen, I don't know where you're at today, but do you know Jesus sees you? No matter, no matter how many people pass by you in your life right now, no matter how unseen you feel, Jesus sees you this morning right where you're at. He doesn't just pass by, he sees. And he longs to make a change in our lives and he has the power to do it. And, and the disciples, because Jesus sees the disciples, oh, they, they see the blind man too and they say, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Well, that's kind of cold, isn't it? 
Gosh, here's a blind man, a beggar, poor on the streets, in rags, filthy. And all the disciples can talk about, did he do something wrong or did his parents? But, but listen, this is, this is the, cult, the culture back then of that day. They saw somebody suffering from blindness and they said, something this bad had to happen? Well, somebody must, must be somebody's fault. Whose fault is it? Is it, is it this man or is it his parents? Or, and we think, man, how backwards is that, right? How cold. It's a good thing we're a lot more educated. We don't do that. We wouldn't walk up to somebody blind today and say, who sinned, buddy, you or your parents? But you know, I think, I think we still walk around with this belief. We just don't know it. It's subtle. It creeps in. I mean, how many times in our lives does something go wrong? Is there trouble that comes into our lives? And there's a car accident that's just an accident. Or you, or you get sick. You come down with some terrible disease. Or you lose your job. Or, or on and on and on, whatever trouble comes into our lives. And, it, and we look at ourselves and we say, man, what am I doing wrong? I, I've got to be doing something wrong. God's punishing me for something. So I've got to figure out, I, what am I what am I doing wrong? And, the, and this little lie can creep into our hearts that says all the trouble in our lives is one person's fault. It's mine. And all the problems in my life are a result of my sin. And, and so every time something goes wrong, we just heap shame and guilt on ourselves and we say, God must be punishing me. I gotta, I, I gotta keep looking. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm doing something wrong. And we keep hunting and searching for these things that are gone wrong. There's another side to this lie, too. The other, the other lie that can creep in is everything wrong with my life, all the problems in my life are, are that person's fault or my parents' fault or those other people's fault or that church's fault or that, that group's fault or my friend's fault. And this lie can creep in that all the trouble in our lives is either caused by us or by others. And if I could just be better my life would go right. If I just could, could walk in a better way, if I could just walk healthy, if I could just walk clean, if I just could just do good, then good would come back to me. Folks, that's not Christianity. That's karma. That, it's not true. Look around the world, it's not true. Karma comes from Middle Eastern religions and it doesn't reflect the way the world actually is because in our world, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. In our world, there's people who can do good and 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 they live such good lives and they're suffering from cancer and bankruptcy and horrible, traumatic events and it doesn't matter if they do good, just bad stuff happens. And there's people who are living in outright rebellion against God and man, they're at the top of their game. It looks like they're rich and they have it all, everything they could ever want. Karma does not reflect the way the world works. Christianity does, though. And, and so like, like every lie, listen, like every lie, there's, there are seeds of truth in here. There are seeds of truth. So, so listen, this man being blind, was that a result of sin? Well, in a big general sense, yes. That's what, that's what Genesis chapter 3 tells us. Genesis chapter 3 tells us our great, 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 grandparents, Adam and Eve, thanks, pops, thanks, grandma, 
They, they rebelled against God, and, and, and they lived out their lives. They made a choice to put themselves in, in control, to flip the, the order of creation upside down, and it messed everything up. And as a result, our, our world is broken in a way that God never intended. It's broken, and sin and disease and death entered our world. And so in a general sense, did sin cause this man's blindness? Yeah, sure. In a general sense, sin causes all the trouble in your lives. Listen, even, even in a specific sense, specifically, there can be trouble in your life that's caused by your sin. That can happen. We've got recovery groups who meet here every, almost every night of the week. Recovery groups, people recovering from alcohol and drugs, sexual addiction, eating addiction, uh, whatever addictions. And, and so many of them would be happy to tell you their story and say, look, look, I, I ruined, I, I made these choices that, that I should never have made in rebellion against God and I put me on the throne of my life and I screwed up completely and I, I suffered horrible consequences from that. So specifically, there are times where our sin causes the trouble in our lives. So, so it's good and right to examine that. It's good and right for us to ask this question. And there's times where others' sins affect us. And, and yet, Jesus says, in this particular case, that's not the case here. So after you've examined, man, is there something I'm doing wrong that this trouble has come into my life? Is there something somebody else did wrong that this has come into my life? Jesus said that's, that's not the case here. Jesus answered it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And see, we're, we're creatures and we, we like to define what's the cause and what's the effect. If something's wrong, I've got to figure out the cause. I've got to go back. I've got to live in the past. I've got to figure out the past. What's the problem? Because I'm in charge. And I got to figure out how I messed up. So this is an effect, and I got to figure out what's the cause. And Jesus says, don't always look for past causes. Look, look, look for future purposes. Listen, this is what Jesus is saying. God has a future purpose for our pain. Do you know this this morning? God has a future purpose for our pain. That's what Jesus is saying about this blind man. It's not that he sinned. It's not that his parents sinned. It's that God has a purpose in this. Listen, every suffering, every pain, every hardship is an opportunity for God to work good. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? Every suffering, every pain, every hardship is an opportunity for God to work good. Listen, no matter what the cause is, no matter what the cause, that's how good our God is, no matter what the cause is. So listen, you're saying if there's bad stuff in my life that's my fault that I sinned, God can work good out of that? Yeah. Yeah, God, God uses that to wake us up, to say, listen, sniff around in your life. Does it smell like trash? He, he uses it to wake us up. Get out of the dumpster. I, I've got life for you, and, and you're looking for death. And so God, God works good even in the pain from our own sin. Can God work good even in the, the pain and the trouble from other people's wrongdoing? Sure. Remember Joseph? Joseph, back in the Old Testament, sold into slavery by his brothers. They told his father he was dead. Fast forward a decade or so, and, and God has used him to deliver and save an entire nation. In fact, all the nations around him, too, from a seven-year famine. And when he finally meets his brothers again, he says, you know what? You intended this for evil. God meant it for good. Do you know even the evil that others do to you? God means it for good. 
And he is so powerful, so capable in our lives that he can bring good out of that. Do you believe that this morning? He can. And, and what about when we don't know the cause? I, I have no idea why this trouble is happening. No clue. God can, God can bring good. Look around our world today and, and look at how many ministries and people God has used to speak into those who go through trauma and, and, and life-altering diseases and tragedy. And at the back of every one of those ministries, at the back of every one of those counselors, at the back of every one of those peoples, people, you're going to find a story of a very, very dark day in their lives. When trouble and tragedy struck and they were thinking, what is going on? They might have even thought, who... What's the, what am I doing wrong that I had to suffer this? There is no possible way good can come out of this. And out of that, fast forward years or decades, and God has used those same people to speak to dozens going through the same tragedy or trial, to speak to hundreds, to speak to thousands, to speak to millions. Our God has a purpose in our pain. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Jesus says this, We must work the works of him who sent me. Well, it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. He's referring to his impending death. It's on the way. Nobody's going to want to do any work there. After I'm gone, the works of God won't be revealed in the same way. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So let's get to revealing the works of God, huh? After he said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seen. Folks, this story, man, <laughs> there is so much I don't have time for. So go home and read this again and again and again. Look, do you, see, do you see what God did here? He anointed. He didn't just slather mud on the guys. He anointed, anointed the guy's eyes. What would happen when he anoints somebody? Where you, you anoint them to set them on mission, to send them somewhere. Jesus anoints this man and sends him. And, and look, what does he call himself? The, him who sent me. Jesus says, I'm the one who God sent. The one who God sent is now sending someone. Guys, there's so much here. There's gold. Keep digging. We don't have time. Here's what, I want. Here's what I want you to see this morning, though. Like, for our purposes this morning, we get to this miracle. And most other miracles, I think one of the reasons this is such a familiar story that we come back to again and again and again is the story's not over now. Most miracles in the Bible, you read the miracle, Jesus happens, yay, the big change happens. And, and then the camera shifts and it follows Jesus as it goes on about his ministry. And this time it doesn't. This time it follows the man for the rest of the chapter, for most of the rest of the chapter until we see Jesus again. It follows the man. And do you know why? Listen, <laughs> because the work of God is not done yet. Here, here's the thing. It ends here and we celebrate. This man's life is radically changed. It, it is. We'll see that in a minute. But listen, if the story ends here, it's a tragedy. It, if the story ends here, it's a tragedy because the work of God isn't done yet. And yeah, this guy can see with physical eyes, but that's not what he really needs. The work of God isn't done. The neighbors. So this guy goes washes. He doesn't even see Jesus, by the way. Keep that in mind. 
<laughs> he has to wander to the pool by himself, mud slathered in his eyes. He just has to trust that what Jesus says is, is going to work out, and he gets healed. And then the neighbors, after he's healed, I don't know if this is later that day or a day or two later, the neighbors and those who had seen him before he was a beggar, before as a beggar, were saying this. Is, isn't this the guy who used to sit and beg? And some said, yeah, it's him. And others said, no, no, it's just somebody who looks like him. And he kept saying, I, I'm the man. So, that, so they said to him, then, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. That's how it happened. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> like, I love that the Bible doesn't skirt around this. Have you ever had God do something amazing in your life? And you're thinking, finally, life is going to be good from here on out. And the next day, you have no idea where God went. The Bible, like you're not alone in this, okay? Jesus healed this guy from blindness, and the next day, the guy had no idea where he went. But, but listen, the part I especially love about these verses is the people don't recognize them. And, and the guy has to keep telling them, no, no, that was me. I was the blind guy. So listen, imagine this. For years and years and years and years and years, the only way this guy was known was as a blind beggar. And, and, and all he wished to do was put that behind him. And now it's finally behind him, and he has to bring it up again. He says, no, that was me. It really was. I know you don't recognize me. It really was. Listen, do you know God wants to work a change in our lives that makes us unrecognizable? So much bigger than we think, so much bigger than we could possibly imagine. You see, we come to Jesus and we know we're sinners, right? But we still got this pride thing going on. And, and we think over, yes, Jesus saved me from my sin. Without him, I would be going to hell. And, and, and now that I'm in his kingdom, now that I'm his God's son or daughter, now, now, now he just needs to do a little dust off, do a little clean up, because overall, I'm pretty good. And, and we don't realize, no, no, Jesus didn't just come to do a little thing. He came to do a big thing. We get into this trap of thinking Jesus just came to make me a slightly nicer person. That's what I used to think. Oh, Jesus, I'm a nice guy already. Jesus is just going to make me nicer. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to radically change everything about you. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus' goal for our lives is not a little renovation. <laughs> it's a whole new creation. It's a whole new creation. This is what he says. This is why Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He, he's come to make us completely different. Not just shake things up a little. Listen, this, Paul says this a different place. Do not be deceived. He says this in 1 Corinthians 6. Do not be deceived. Neither is the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What are you saying, Paul? That sounds harsh. He, sa he says, listen, look at the lives of those around you and you will see people who are living in every way, shape, and form in complete rebellion against God with themselves on the throne of their lives. And this is some of the ways that that can flesh itself out. This, this defines who those people are. This is their life. This is everything about who they are. And, and Paul says that they don't have any part of the kingdom of God. And, and then he says this, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. You had a dark past. You had shame and guilt in your past. And such were some of you, but, but you were washed. 
See, Jesus didn't come just to shape you up a little bit. He came to wash you clean. Scarlet sins as white as snow. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. You were made righteous in a way that it was as if you had never sinned before God. You were made that righteous before God in the person of Jesus Christ by believing in him. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. This is what God did through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross and took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the past, all the blindness on himself so that the wrath of God was poured out on him. So all we got to do is believe in him and we're saved. And not just that. If Jesus died and went in the grave, that'd be incredible, but we'd still be done for. Because three days later, Jesus rose again to show us that there was a completely and whole new life in him. God wants to make us a new creation, and that's what he came to do through Jesus Christ. Do you know he wants to make you new this morning? Imagine if in 10 years, see, listen, like God started a good work in, in some of you, right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has begun a good work in you. He's not done He's still got dramatic and radical change to do in your lives. Imagine this. Imagine if in 10 years you were completely unrecognizable from the person you are today. You had to tell people, you know what? Like, no, that was me. <laughs> that guy who sort of half, half acted out this Christianity sometimes and then messed up a ton, that was me. But look at what Jesus did in my life. Jesus longs to get a hold of our lives and light a fire in us that would never go out and bring dry bones to life in every area of our lives. He wants to make radical change far more than we can imagine. Yeah, we can applaud God in that. Listen, my, my, my favorite quote from C.S. Lewis, he, he talks about, imagine if our lives were a house. And, and we think we're a nice little cottage and that God just came, to, Jesus comes into our lives, we invite him in, and he starts sweeping up, cleaning up the cottage. He cleans out the attic and that, that old ugly basement, that closet that nobody wants to go into, he cleans it all out and we think, man, this is good. But then he doesn't stop. Then he knocks down walls and he blows out the garage and he puts a wing on this side and a tower over here and gates around, and man, this, is, this hurts. Like, Jesus, when are you going to be done? And before we know it, we realize that, that Jesus did not come to make us a nice, clean little cottage. Jesus came to make a, us a palace. And it's a palace where he is going to come and make his home. Jesus came to change us and raise far more radical than we know. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the, man, the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. So he's just got to tell his story again. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. See, listen, Jesus is a dividing line and he divides everybody into those who see and those who don't. And some of the Pharisees, they're starting to see. And so they turned to the blind man. What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. You see what's going on here? We've talked about this before. Mark and Phil and others have, have, have talked about how, how Jesus heals people on the Sabbath. We've seen this already. And how it breaks, it doesn't break God's law, but it breaks their interpretation. It breaks man's law. 
And they think if Jesus comes and does this, well, he must be less than he says. He must be a sinner. But, but listen, I read a few commentaries, and what was really interesting was in these man-made laws they had, do you know there were exceptions? There, there were times it was okay to break the Sabbath law. According to them, you could break the Sabbath law. One of the conditions that allowed you to break the Sabbath law was if you were a prophet. No, if you were a prophet. So see what, ha- see what happens. Jesus comes and blows away their expectations. Jesus challenges what they expect God to do. He works in a way that they don't expect. And the Pharisees take that and they think, well, you worked in a way you didn't, we didn't expect. You must be less. You must be a sinner. They question his heart. They question his character. And the, and, and the blind man comes and says, oh, he, he broke that law? He must be more. He must be more than I ever imagined. He must be a prophet. He must be somebody big. Do you know that this happens in our lives too? Listen, Jesus' words and actions conflict with our understanding all the time. And we can look at that circumstances in our lives and his words and say, that's, that's harsh. This is hard. What I'm going through is hard. God must be mean. He must not like me very much. And we question God's heart and Jesus' character. But, but listen, when Jesus' words and actions conflict with our understanding, it means not that he's less, it means that he's greater. It means that he's greater than our understanding. There's some words in here that are hard. Do you know that? And there's people in our world, there's, there's even Christ followers who go around, well, if that's not a God I would follow. Because my God doesn't do that. Well, th- this says who God is, you don't. And, and listen, if there's words in here that are hard, it's okay not to understand everything. It's okay not to know everything. But listen, if there's words in here that are hard, that you're like, God, why are you acting like that? Why are you doing that? Where's your heart in that? It, it, it just means that we don't understand him fully yet. That's a good thing because his ways are far, far higher than our ways and his works are far, far higher than ours. And so when Jesus' words and actions conflict with our understanding, it means he's greater. It, it means he's greater than what we understand Do you see yet? Do you see? There's people who don't want to see this stuff. There's times I don't want to see this stuff. Are we going to be be people who allow Jesus to remove the blindness from our eyes and see this? See, the Jews, they didn't believe. They still didn't believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. And so now they call the parents in. Until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, Is this your son? Who you say was born blind, how then does he now see? And this is what the parents say. They say, we know that this is our son, and we can tell you for a fact he was born blind. But how he sees, and we don't know. And, and who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. And, and John tells us why the parents answered in this way. It says they were afraid. Because the Jews had already agreed, the leaders of the Jews... Some of these very Pharisees that are already agreed, if, if somebody claims that Jesus is the Christ, he's going to be thrown out of the synagogue. The parents didn't want that. Therefore, his parents said he is of age. Ask him. And, you know, we get really hard on these parents. If you've read this story before, we get hard on them. But listen, like, <laughs> they, they've been judged and shamed their whole lives for having a son who can't see. And now he sees, and now they're judged and shamed. I, I don't know that I'd be so bold to speak out in their shoes either. Listen, they get one thing right, though. <laughs> you know what they say? He will speak for himself. 
he'll speak for himself. Our, our son, we, we don't take care of him anymore. He's his own man. Our son, Jesus has done something in his life. Somebody's done something in his life. He's the one who can tell that story. They say he can speak for himself. Listen to me this morning. Do you know, we get so scared to speak up sometimes, to speak up about Jesus Christ. This, this Jesus who we know saved us, this Jesus who has begun a work in our lives and he's transforming our lives. And so some of us, there's times in our lives, there's times in my life where I've sat back and I've just soaked it all in and I've just heard from others. And, you know, when people have asked me, sometimes I've spoken up about Jesus. You know what I've said sometimes, though? I've said something I've heard at church, <laughs> something Pastor Jeff said, <laughs> said something I heard from that preacher on YouTube the other week. And, it, and, I, and I, from that book I read, listen to me. Jesus is writing a story in your life. And it's a story that nobody else can speak. <laughs> So, so yeah, let's, let's continue receiving from each other. Let's continue hearing from, from those pastors online or in person or whatever, you know. But, but listen, you can speak for yourself. If there hasn't come a day already, there's going to come a day, one day, when you're called to speak for yourself. That could make you tremble a little bit. It's okay. God made your mouth. He's going to give you the words. That's what scripture says. He promises that in his word. He's going to give you the words. But listen, do you know why Jesus is doing what he's doing in your life? So that you can speak it. Jesus is writing a story in your life that nobody else can speak because it's your life. Because it's his story that he's writing on you. Will you speak it? Listen, look at me. I want to encourage you all today. You can speak for yourself. You can speak for yourself. Tell your story. You say, I don't know my story. Get to know your story. Ask Jesus, tell me again. Tell me again what you did in my life because I want to go out and I want to tell somebody else. And maybe there's days I don't want to tell somebody else. But God, help me hear that I can speak for myself. You can speak for yourself. So for the second time, his parents say, go ask him. Well, what's the man going to do? Is he going to speak for himself? So for the second time, they call the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. Glorify God. You're not glorifying God by saying this Jesus is somebody special. Glorify God and say that he's a sinner. And the man answered, you know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And if you've heard this story preached on, you've heard this point before, but like, listen, when you speak for yourself, there's stuff you don't know. <laughs> There's stuff we're not going to know about God. You don't know it all. That's fine. Seek it out. But it's okay if you don't know. Talk about what you do know. Talk about what you know about this man called Jesus. He is so precious. He loves you so deeply. And he's changing your life if you are submitting to him. So tell what you know. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already. I, I told you once before you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> I love that. But did you catch that? He said, do you also? See, first when, Je when this man talked about Jesus, he said, a, a man called Jesus. Then he said, a prophet. Now, well, well, this is a guy I think I might want to follow. And they say, yeah, you're his disciple. We're not disciples of him. We're disciples of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. See, if they really knew the truth, again, we don't have time to go here, but the blind man was actually the disciple of Moses right here. Because the word Moses preached, the word that God gave Moses, the way God pursued Moses is the way God is pursuing his people through Jesus. And so, so he's the one who's the disciple of Moses and Jesus too. If they were disciples of Moses, they, they would allow their eyes to be opened. And the man answered, why, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Now listen, this does, he's not saying God doesn't listen to you if you're broken. God listens to the broken all the time. He's saying, look at the amazing work Jesus has done. Radically changed my life, brought sight to the blind. Do you think God would work through a man in that way if that man was an act of rebellion and betrayal of his very God? No, he wouldn't. God would work through a man like that if that man's submitting to his will, if he's worshiping God. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not a God, not from God, he couldn't do nothing. <laughs> Praise God. The man spoke for himself. The man told his story. And, and sometimes I think we read this and we look, man, this guy had it easy. Like this guy seems to do it so effortlessly. He just tells what he knows. He's not taken back when the people in charge don't believe him, when they question him, when they doubt him, when they rebuke him. And I think we forget how hard this is because look, next line is they answered him. This is the Pharisees, the leaders answered him. You were born in utter sin and you'd teach us and they cast him out. Now listen, we don't understand what that means because we think of that as being like thrown out of a church today. Well, that's no big deal. You, you go to some church and they don't want you to come back, you just go to the church down the street. No problem for us. Listen, this was a problem. Be, because there weren't churches on every corner. This was, this was the synagogue that the parents were afraid of being thrown out of and now the man's been thrown out of it. And this was, this was where people came to seek God. It came on a weekly basis, much like we do. And, and they prayed, and, and they heard the word of God read, and they heard teaching around the word of God. This was, they didn't have books on their shelves. They didn't have a Bible on every shelf that they could just look up the word of God. They, they came here to get to know God. And this man is now being removed from all of that. But, but do you know, we're, we're starting to understand synagogues even more and more, and they've done They've found synagogues and they've done archaeological digs and it's teaching them more and more about synagogues and that's not only what a synagogue was for. A, a synagogue was more than just a place to meet spiritual needs, it was a place to meet physical needs. They're finding now that they believe these synagogues were used for holiday gatherings for the community, for, for a council hall, that this was a refuge place for help and healing in the community. That means this guy as a blind man may have come here many times when he didn't have any food and he might have been helped and now he can't come here anymore. It was, it was lodging for strangers. There was facilities found in some of these synagogues that were for dining and water to feed others and places for other people to sleep. Strangers like hostels for people from out of town to come and stay. This is all, everything they think 
The synagogues were, this is the center of community life and he's being thrown out of all of it. Can you imagine how hard this would be? Listen, this, this guy was ignored his whole life because he was blind. He was questioned and doubted his whole life because he was blind. He was ridiculed and he was rejected his whole life because he was blind. There was one thing that needed to change for all that to change. One thing, if only he could see. If only he could see, all that would change. And now he can see. And none of it changes. He's questioned and doubted and ridiculed and rejected again. Jesus came and made this dramatic change in his life, but now, wait a second, it doesn't look like anything's changed. And, And here's, this is the work of God too. Listen, the work of God is not, we make this mistake all the time, the work of God is not to make our lives pain free and perfect. We think it is. We think when Jesus comes and starts to change our life, it's just going to be sunny days from here on out. It's not. Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. If today's not hard, there's hard days coming because the work of God is not to make our lives easy. So what's the work of God? (laughs) He's not done yet. We finally get to this. Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him, don't skip past that. (laughs) It's like the first phrase of the chapter two. Everybody passed by, but Jesus saw. Listen, when you are cast out, once Jesus finds you, it doesn't matter who cast you out. Have you been rejected? When Jesus finds you, and he will, it doesn't matter who rejected you. Have you been ignored, cast aside, thrown down, belittled in your life? Listen, Jesus is seeking after you, and when he finds you, that's what matters. He finds him and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? This is a title, we don't have time. Look up Daniel chapter 7 later on when you're at home. This is a title for the Messiah. Daniel said in his prophecy, there's, a, there's one like the Son of Man who was going to come. And, and, and People would read that son of man, a son of Adam. That's what it literally means. Son of Adam. There's going to be one who who comes like a human. But do you know what Daniel said? Daniel said he's he's not going to be just any human. God Almighty, this human, is is going to be given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. There is this son of man coming, and he's a king. And everybody everywhere is going to serve him. Doesn't matter if they want to or not. They're all going to serve him. What son of man could be like that? And so, and so people read that in, in this title, Son of Man. This is why Jesus used it for himself over and over and over again. It was a title for the one sent from God who was God himself, the Messiah, who would come and be the ruler, the final ruler over everything the Lord of it all. And and Jesus said, do you believe in him? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And this guy's ready. He's postured. He he says, just point me the way. Like, I've never seen your face before, but I know your voice. You're the guy who put mud in my eyes and sent me and healed me 
So just point me the way. And Jesus said, listen, now you've seen me. You've seen him. And it's the very one speaking to you. Listen, I'm right in front of you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. This, listen, this is the full work of God. This is a blind man that really actually now fully sees. Lord, I believe. And so the choice comes to us. Are we going to be people who see or don't see? Are we going to be people who, who, who turn to the circumstances in our lives and look for answers there or, or turn to him and see? And, and so I pose that question to you now. Are you, are you people who would say, Lord, I believe? And I don't want to put pressure on you. I just want to invite, invite a response to some of the things that we've, we've seen in this passage I don't know what it looked like when this, he said, Lord, I believe. I, I tend to think he was standing up and Jesus came to him and he said, Lord, I believe, and he fell on his knees. You guys are already sitting down. So, so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand up. And, and if you don't feel it, if you don't think, if, if what I say doesn't apply to you, don't stand up. But if it does, I invite you to stand up and with me say, Lord, I believe this. Because we serve, uh, Jesus is, is not just a man He's not just a prophet. He's not just some teacher with some good words to follow. He's not even just from God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the rightful Lord of all of our lives. And we have the opportunity, not just once, but every single day, to say, Lord, it's you. Lord, I believe. Are we going to be the ones who see Listen, do you know he is the Lord who pursues us? And no matter who pass, passes by you, he sees you. No matter who rejects you and casts you out, Jesus finds you. He is the Lord who is passionately pursuing you. Do you believe this? This is the one I needed to hear this week. See, see I get up here and when I prepare to preach, one, one thing I want you to know when I preach with, beyond a shadow of a doubt is that God is pursuing you. And I was in a tough spot earlier in the week and somebody had to remind me, do you know what? Your, your job is not just to, to tell other people that God is pursuing them. It's to hear that God is pursuing you, me. This is what I needed to hear. So, so listen, if you're in a place where you feel passed by and rejected and you need to know this morning that, that the Lord is the, Lord who, the one who pursues you, would you stand with me? The Lord who pursues you. Would you just stand with me and with me say these three words, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And I know you're already standing, but there might be other ways that this applies to you. Do you know he's the Lord who did not just come to make a subtle little change in your life. He is the Lord who came to radically set you free so that people he knew you before would not recognize you. And if you feel stuck in your life right now, if you say, if this Jesus is real, my life would look different and I wouldn't look like this, he's not done with you yet. He is a Lord who works a change in your life and he's still working. And if that's the truth you need to hear, if that's the scales you need removed from your eyes, if that's how you need to see Jesus today, see it and say with me, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And listen, maybe there's things going on in your life and you do not understand. 
and it's cloudy and you're foggy and you don't know, what, don't know why you're facing the, the trials or the trauma that you're facing, you don't understand him. It's because he's Lord. We're not supposed to understand everything about him. What we are supposed to understand is that he's good, that he can work purpose in every pain. And so if you're in a place of mystery and confusion and hurt today, it doesn't matter if you feel it, if you believe it and trust him anyways. Say with me, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he's the one who's not done with you. God is writing a story on your life. And if not yet, one day, you're going to be called to speak for yourself. Can I tell you something? You can speak for yourself. He's working a change in your life, and you're going to know it. He's writing his story on your life, and, and it's a story for you to tell of how good he is. And... And you don't have control over whether you tell it tomorrow. You just have control over whether you tell it today. And so if you're willing to tell it today, how good he is, would you say with me, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And so this blind man stood before his Lord and believed. And then you know what he did? He worshiped. I don't know what that worship looked like. But I know where he was. He was in the midst of the disciples other followers of Jesus Christ, his new brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and he was in the midst of his enemies. He was in the midst of an uncertain future. It was a mystery that he didn't understand. He didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. But in the middle of all of that, he worshiped. Listen, we're going to worship by singing. Would you join me in worshiping God in the middle of whatever you are in? We can raise a hallelujah together. Would you join me now? We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.